Patrons in the chat, can we all just take a moment to bask in the glory that is Christopher's mustache? Oh, are you trying to make me uncomfortable right now? Because uh, I'll, I'll no, get you it's back amazing. For that. I love that mustache on you, honey. Thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to utilizing it when. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's got that that sort of like bristle technique. The boys like it. <laughs> First of all, people, have shower after you have sex, for Christ's sake. Uh, and second of all, uh, you have to spend extra time on the face because, you you know, the the mustache is like a sponge, you know? Yeah. No, you really have to. Facial hair maintenance. Look, I can't I can't grow a glorious mustache like you. I could try. I am just Latina enough that I can or make it. She can it, grow I can, a mustache. I could give it a real good effort, y'all. <laughs> But I, I am not on Chris's level because I lack the testosterone. Um, but I have uh, dated men. <laughs> and being able to brag that your beard smells like donuts, like fresh, fresh donuts. That is that's not, not where I thought you were going to go. That's not a good thing because that means your beard smells like yeast, which means something's growing. Oh, God. And I need it to not touch me. Ever. No, that's vile. It's particularly if you are if you are somebody with facial hair who also drinks beer, you really, really are under every every obligation to clean this whole area I, very carefully. Well, I will try to avoid giving my guys yeast infections. Do. Because that is an instant disqualifier. Oh, yep. oh you yep. smell like yeast. That is not as appealing as you seem to think it is. Get off. <laughs> nope. Nope. That's going to be a stiff arm moment. <laughs> you need to- and that, ladies and gentlemen, oh. is our Dark Side Divas PSA. <laughs> <laughs> don't kiss anybody whose beard smells like yeast. And don't let them kiss you in your no-no spot. <laughs> the more you know there we go okay well all right anyway <laughs> do we want to do an intro i guess I minimize you the reason this is happening is because i haven't minimized you yet that's the problem i can still see your stupid face there we go you're very distracting to you me. know whose face will never smell like yeast because she never gets anything on her is orla <laughs> because she's fucking pristine at all times she's fucking pristine at all times i love her love her okay okay hey okay. do we want to do you want to intro a show? <coughs> Let's do it. All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dark Side Divas, the podcast where a pansexual woman and a gay man express their opinions about Star Wars. My name is Stephanie. I said what I said. Uh, hey, everybody. I am Chris. <laughs> I am that homo still Martian ho sexual, and I'm not intimidated <laughs> at all by women loving Star Wars. Oh, and uh, uh, Stephanie? Huh. Let's see if the two of us can handle it. <laughs> uh, uh, spoiler alert, we could not. No, no, correct. So, Chris, before we get into why we're here today. Yeah. Uh, I have something really important that we need to talk about. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, and I think that this that we really need to, you know, it's good that we have the patrons in the chat so they can hear this firsthand because this is going to change a lot of things. Okay. All right. All right. So bear with me here. Um this is going to be the last episode of Dark Side Divas. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but we have to end the podcast. 
I didn't talk about this with you before because uh, I didn't want to uh, actually have a confrontation about it. So we're doing this in front of people. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, we're three years in, 141 episodes. Uh, you know, I know we've gone through like most of the prequel era, all of Clone Wars mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and all of that. But we have to end the podcast now because I have been informed that women don't actually watch Star Wars. <laughs> and as I just said a moment ago, I am in fact a woman. And right. so um, unfortunately, I I cannot continue. Now, what we could do, if you want to get the podcast going, I thought about this because I want to come to, I always want to come to the table with solutions, you know? Yeah, yeah. If we want to keep the podcast going, we are finishing Into the Dark Today, which is a book, which I'm allowed to do because the books... Reading books is very girly, so I'm right. allowed to do that. Right. right. Um, but since we're going to be getting back into Rebels after this, how about if you watch it? Because I can't because I'm a girl. Um, you watch the show, and I will just sit here on the podcast in silence and let you talk at me about it. Okay. Um, I don't know what else to say because I, I feel <laughs> I've, I, I've been taking the stance the whole week that because I'm a boy, I'm a man, I should not be... I should not be speaking as loudly, just be supportive. No, but you are supposed to speak just as loudly as you can. This is you are a man and your opinion is 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 paramount. I I I should stop talking now. What I'm gonna you go ahead and talk. <laughs> I'm gonna start I'm gonna start packing up all my Star Wars stuff. I have do you like Funko Pops? I can't keep this right here. This is my my cheer it Funko Pop. I also have bays. Um I'm gonna pack these up and send them to you. because uh, I'm not allowed to, because I don't I'm a girl. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Y'all, he is so scared right now. <laughs> I'm in the. I'm in. I'm in danger. Uh, so, so, Steph, are you? Uh, are you making a sarcastic and extensive joke about something that happened this week? Because I may have missed something. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who are not, fuck that, okay? I fucking love Star Wars. We are going to be with this podcast until one of us inevitably chokes on a dick and dies, okay? But <laughs> Oh my god, that's how I want to go too. <laughs> it's actually in my will that if I didn't, somebody needs to stand up at my funeral and say that I did. So, Oh, that's not where I thought you were going. Wow. <laughs> it needs anyway. to be open casket for a reason. <laughs> For those of you who are not as chronically online as we are, you may not be aware that a certain very large Star Wars creator uh, had a, found himself a pick-me, um, a lady, to be uh, either on his show or he was reacting to something that she said from something. I don't fucking know because I don't in any way give these creators clicks or views. Um, but she was saying with her whole chest that women don't like Star Wars and that they should just stay out of it and let it be a boy's space just for boys. And so um, that's that's where all of this comes from. And look, for, the, for those of you who are responding with any anger towards her, mm-hmm. go ahead and be angry about it. But understand how very, very sad women like this are. Uh, the women who internalize the misogyny and then spout off whatever whatever the patriarchy wants to hear a woman say. So that they can then get, you know, that hit of whatever passes for a happy hormone in their brains from the validation that they get from these men. And, like, that's really sad. Because, really, honey, that's the man whose attention validates you? Couldn't be me. Um, well, um, obviously, that sentiment is incorrect. Uh, that's right. just... 
It's just more bigotry. Um, I have to give. I, I have to say, um, um, you know, uh, Boob, our friend Booba Fett. Um, mm-hmm. She made the best video ever. And She's fantastic. What she said at the end of her Tiki talk about it was was right on point, in my opinion. They, these people don't like Star Wars. No. They they they're just hate peddlers, and they want the clicks, and they're making money they are off grifters. of it. Grifters, yeah, yeah, they're grifters. Yeah. They talk more about the wokeness, the quote unquote wokeness, and the inequality, and and any kind of gendered issues. They talk more about it than anybody who actually likes Star Wars is talking about it. Um, so that's you know they're. <clears throat> They only put out these videos for the attention and for the clicks and for the money. It's all a grift. And that's fine. Um, but I had to say something about it because I'm a woman. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Is, it's the Star Wars. But this is all the attention I'm giving it. I'm not going to make a, a series of clapback videos. I'm not going to carry a camera around my house and show off my ridiculous, at this point, collection of Star Wars stuff. I think it's wonderful that people are doing that. Absolutely. But I really don't feel the need to, to give it that kind of energy. This here on the podcast, this I'll do. But yeah. I, well, um, you know, a, a lot of the... A lot of the five-year studies that uh, different universities have been doing about social media are going to be coming out very soon. And, you know, you're you're starting to see sneak previews of it uh, in some journals. And, you know, social media is a great marketing tool. It's not a great tool to, uh, you know, change hearts and minds. Uh, What does does change hearts and minds are are longer form uh, media like podcasts, blog blog posts, that sort, of, uh, news articles, that sort of thing. Right. And and uh, I, I'm I'm saying that because um, I you know I was talking with a lot of people, including some of our patrons, who were you know really upset and stressed out by what this piece of shit was doing on, on right. his channel for, just for the clicks, by the way. Mm-hmm. And that 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 should that should kind of tell you all you need to know about the quality of that human being is they know they're going to do something that's going to hurt people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And they don't. They don't care. In and fact, that's they just, want that. They want that. They want people to yeah. be hurt. And that's mm-hmm. that. That I think that speaks to the character of that person, um, which is a bad one. Uh, but twenty twenty four is going to be a shitty year, y'all. It is going to be such a shitty year. Uh, take breaks from social media and block people. Like block please, people please, left and right. Yeah. Protect your peace, pace yourself, okay? If you find yourself getting really, like, emotionally worked up over a comments thread or something, you got to go. Take yeah. a break, walk away. I <clears throat> The whole touch grass thing, I know it's become cliche on the internet and almost insulting, but you really do need to go touch some grass. Go outside and breathe in some air. If the air where you live is of sufficient quality that that will be a healthy choice for you, uh, please do that. <clears throat> go pet a kitty. Yeah. Um, you know, hug somebody or something. Reconnect with with people who are not on the internet specifically to hurt feelings because that's yeah. all that is. That's all they want to do is hurt you. Uh, yeah. And you shouldn't associate with people who do that. I decided this week, I made a big decision this week and I'm starting to actively do it and I'm, I'm already feeling so much better. I followed a shit ton of people during COVID, like Disney, Disney theme park fans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and those people in particular all they do is fucking bitch about everything they bitch about the colors of signs of, of of the shape of a parking space everything like it's just like you think these people are architects and master data scientists or something like that but they're not um they're, <laughs> they're just opinionated and they they have access to the internet yeah and which and, is what we do and, I've, and i'm realizing i don't give a fuck about their opinions or most people's opinions for that matter it just doesn't do mm-hmm. me anything uh any good to care 
and so, you know, this week it was announced that a Mexican restaurant in downtown Disney that just gives people food poisoning all the time. This is well documented. It's given a friends of mine food poisoning for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. They're closing the restaurant. Okay, good. Yay. Good. Uh, yeah. But uh, once again, Diz Twitter is like, oh, my God, this is the end of the world. What does Disney know what they're doing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this restaurant's not good. Look at the Yelp reviews. It's, it's a one, public health hazard. It's a health They're hazard. saving your life. You okay. fucking dumbass people. Anyway, so I just decided, you know what? I'm unfollowing them. I'm done. I'm done. If I run into them, if I run into a person, great. And if they're like, hey, Chris, why did you unfollow me on Twitter? I'll be like, because you're because you state your fucking negative opinion all the time. There is nothing more uninteresting to me at this point in my life where being where someone is just being critical for the sake of being critical. It is so right. easy to bitch and whine and complain all the time. I deal with this at work all the time. So right. an employee comes up to me and bitches about something and I'm like, great. What's the solution? What do you propose? And then they got nothing. And I'm like, well, thank you for whining and complaining to me, but we're going to keep doing that because there needs to be a solution. We need a fix. You it. should really invoice them for that. I do. I get paid for it, you know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, that's, but them personally. that's my job. Uh, but, but anyway. Anyway, look. In in a leap year, in a presidential election leap year, oh, where the God. moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter is aligning with Mars and everything feels like it's on the brink at all times, coming to Star Wars should be the place where you come to for peace and for escape. Yes. And so if you find yourself, every time you come to the Star Wars fandom, encountering bigots and misogynists and upsetting, uh, upsetting discourse, cut that out. Mm-hmm. If you need to mute people, put them in a temporary jail if you need to, block them entirely if you need to. Everybody take care of yourselves, please. We love you. That's it. Okay. So do you have anything else or should we get into why we're Let's here? Let's get today? into why we're here. <laughs> All right. So what we're doing on this podcast is we are uh, watching through the entire Star Wars visual story in chronological order. However, we did take a little sidebar because we stood in solidarity with the strikes and we did some High Republic reading. And today we will be finishing Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. What? Oh, yeah. This is chapters 23 through 26. The end of the book. Wow. It's happening. It's It's really happening. It's a journey. Do you have an intro, my love? I do not. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Oh, okay. I have okay. not written an intro. I have, however, okay. written an outro. So okay. when we get there, I will do that part. Okay, cool. Um, then uh, I will give us a quick a quick recap. Okay. <laughs> when, when last we left our heroes, the Maxine Station uh, was full of not one but two different flavors of bad guys. So in the interest of, oh, I don't know, surviving, the following decisions have been made. Oh, one, Athie Hollow has given up her quest to give up, to get blackmail material on her foster mom. Mm-hmm. Two, Reed Silas has given up his quest to arrest Nan the Nihil for flirting with him while being a Nihil. And three... <laughs> Orla Jereni is about to reverse her successful quest to reinstall the creepy Sith statues that put the Drangir on the station in stasis in the first place. So that's where we're at. And Geode is watching the ship. Uh, Geode is, of course, watching the ship, because yeah. what else would he be doing? That's what Leox told him to do, and Geode always does what he's told. Yeah. He's, he's certainly not a, a fast and loose maverick. In the galaxy, a scoundrel, if you will. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, let's get into it with chapter 24, shall we? Do it. Do Wreath it. Silas. It- sorry. I, I, I'm I, sorry. I, I can't say do it without following up with another do it. All right, I'm just going to pause when you say that then and let you do it yourself. 
<laughs> I do that. Okay, anyway, go ahead. Did you just open a fucking soda on mic? No, it, not on mic. It was to the side. I heard it, so yes, the fuck it was on Girl, mic. I need the caffeine. Give me a break. Look, I support you. I just also support you already having the bitch open before we start recording. Girl, it's carbonated. and This is my second one. I, I, I need to. I need to. Your details mean nothing to me. Okay. The quality of the recording is all. What's what we're here for? It's it's the podcast. Let my silence be deafening. <laughs> <laughs> if you could manage silence and please not put the bubbly fucking can down next to the microphone, that would be much appreciated. Okay. Fine. 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 Cool. All right. So, somebody's chapter twenty. I'm fucking killing you in the face. (laughs) Chris, what happens in chapter twenty-four? Go ahead. I don't know. I don't remember. That's right. I know you don't fucking know. One of us has ten pages of notes, and one of us has just opened a can on mic. Can we have? I'll fucking kill you in the face. Is her next (laughs) T-shirt? Uh. <laughs> Starting with your face. <laughs> the mustache is just there for me to target. God damn it. Okay. 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 I'm going to go to chapter 24 now. Okay. All right. Right. You sure? Yeah. Okay. I don't fucking trust you. <laughs> Reed Silas is on his way back to the vessel. Okay, that's where we're at. Uh, and on his way, um, going through the uh, treacherous corridors of the Amaxine space station, which are full of, I don't know, enemies and shit, he runs into Orla. And Orla is like, oh, thank the Force, because she was looking for him. Mm-hmm. Because they have two teenagers loose on the station somewhere, and they need to find them, get back to the vessel, and get the fuck out. Uh, and she was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're alive. Oh, sorry. Oh, my Force, I'm so glad you're alive. Uh, I thought the Nihil got you. And Reith is like, they did, but it was Nan. And so she let me go because I saved her life that one time. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know if you knew this, Orla, but I came to the conclusion that the Nihil want to take over the station and use it for their own nefarious purposes. So we really need to stop them. But hey, at least we already took care of the Drangir, right? And Orla's like, yeah, I already knew all of that. And um, <clears throat> about the Drangir. Uh-oh. We're about to set the Drangir free again. <laughs> and Reith literally in the book says, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Which tickled yeah. me. Oh, that was great. But then he catches on and realizes that she would not be wanting to set the Drangir free again unless that was the only way for the rest of them to get off the station without the Nihil fucking destroying them. I have in my notes repeatedly throughout this section uh, where I say, what Anakin Skywalker bullshit is this? It's the Anakin Skywalker bullshit episode. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So <laughs> we, sure. we got to do this. We got to go take the uh, the barrier down. It took all three of them to put it up. So where's Comac? Because we should take all three of us to go take it back down. And Reith is like, ooh, uh, Comac is on the vessel right now because he's helping Dez, who is super hurt. Oh, hey, by the way, Dez is alive. Yeah. And, or- and Orla's like, oh, that's awesome. Yay. Okay. So it's just you and me. Let's go unleash the Drangir. Okay. You ready? And Reith has a moment. Just a, a little a little moment to gasp to himself because, quote, it hit him then what she was truly asking of him to go with her into the heart of the storm. He's just now realizing that these Jedi Masters aren't treating him like a Padawan right. anymore. And in my opinion, they kind of weren't this whole time because he wasn't their Padawan. Right. Except when Comac needed somebody to like 
fetch for him, <laughs> you know, and well, make phone calls for him. And well, you know, this whole book, uh, this is a not comfortable situation for anybody but Reith. And the reason why is because <laughs> Reith is a nerd. Uh, yes. he, he looks at everything in the Maxine Station and he identifies certain things with it because he's done all this research. He has all this he knowledge. He did extra credit projects he about the He did extra Maxines. credit projects. Orla <laughs> didn't show up to class on time. Orla's been out of school for a hot minute. And 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 like you and I, anything she learned went out out the door. Dude, and, and- I, have, I have teenagers and they're like, Mom, can you help me with my algebra? And I'm like, no, I cannot. No. I, uh, no. No. But I have a sister who has a master's degree in mathematics. Let's call your aunt. (laughs) God, I I, I can't imagine. See, that one of the reasons why I don't have kids, like that moment will come and I'll be like, I am a terrible student. And then they'll be like, why do I have to go to school? It's like, you're supposed (laughs) to. And I have zero high ground on this discussion. I'm like, you need to learn the algebra so that you can understand the geometry because geometry is actually fucking useful. I like geometry. Yeah, that was the one. That was the only awful. class I passed in high school. That was a math class. Nice. Okay. 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 So, right, Wreath is like, oh, I'm being treated like a grown up, and I'm going into the heart of all of the danger because I'm being treated like a grown ass Jedi. That's amazing. But to me, this is another one of those, those the trials ain't got nothing on what this kid has already been through moments. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we saw Bell go through it, uh, Obi Wan w- went through it mm-hmm. before. Um, you know, I-, I think Ahsoka super went through it, but then she left the order multiple times. Yeah, she left yeah. the order. <laughs> yeah. So, like, based on you know the standards of the Jedi Order, this kid should probably be like considered a knight after this. But his master is dead, so who knows? Well, if it were the Clone Wars, that would certainly happen. Uh, well, they didn't. Snap. You know. Yeah, well, anyway, so we cut to Affy and Leox. Leox is hustling her back to the vessel as fast as he can. Like he's afraid she's going to change her mind and go back to take more pictures for blackmail. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he thinks that. I just really wish I could. That's all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking teenagers. God damn. And she she thinks to herself, quote, I guess I'll have to talk to Scover about it directly. Make her explain exactly what she was thinking and see if... If she actually understands how wrong she's been. Correct, Affy. Communication, communication, communication. Except Scover don't give a fuck. Scover don't give a fuck at all. She really don't. We'll find that out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. She is a cold-hearted snake. Look into her eyes. And Uh I respect that. She's been telling lies. (laughs) (laughs) She's a lover boy at play. You're not getting that song in my head. No. She don't play by rules. Ah, Stop. I'm having my Paula Abdul moment. <laughs> Don't judge me. So for the kids who are listening, Paula Abdul is oh <laughs> one of the early hosts of American Idol. Uh, she actually was a recording artist back in the day. And a Laker girl. And a Laker girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's, anyway. That's all sorry. true. <sighs> I'm so sleep deprived. Did you say that? Did I say an article? Uh, s- Why sidebar? am I the one steering the ship today? <laughs> Because I'm going to let you, you sidebar do. right now. Uh, yeah, so, you're sidebarring. Uh, uh, did you say I that? sidebarred. Now you're sidebarring off my sidebar, and I'm going to allow. Well, it it's go. related to the rec- recording artist thing. Um, I found, okay. Did I see an article that Enemy did about uh, these albums turn thirty today? And it's like Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral, mm-hmm. Nirvana, Unplugged, mm-hmm. Hole, Live Through This, like mm-hmm. thirty. Yeah. 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 
Absolutely. We could date those albums and not feel weird about it. That's true. I would date the shit out of Downward Spiral. Oh, my God. I've, I've oh. had so much sex to that album. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 10 out of 10 would recommend that album, y'all, if you're into yes. the... It is for moody goth fucking. That's what it's like. <laughs> Let us light a candle before the intercourse. <laughs> well, you got to warm up the wax. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, Affy and Leox, <laughs> who are not at all like... Leox is Ace and Affy's a teenager. So, let's back out of the gutter and back into this scene. Okay? Cool. They run into Orla and Reith in the hallway. And Leox is like, hey, friends! And Orla's like, hashtag ignore that. Uh, you two, get back to the vessel. Prep to leave in 10 minutes. If we are not back by then, you leave without us. All right. And Leox literally says, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and he's like, no, we're not leaving anybody behind because that really reflects poorly on me as a commercial pilot. <laughs> And Orla actually laughs because Leox is the fucking best. And it says in my notes, God, I love him. He's going to die. Just put a pin in that. Okay. Okay. So Reef and Orla explain about how the statues are holding the evil plant monsters in stasis, even though somehow Leox kind of already knew that earlier. Um, but you know what? We're not going to get into that. And so now Reef and Orla need to go and break that stasis and set the evil plant monsters loose on the Nihil. And Affy's like, Oh, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Because then we're going to have two sets of bad guys loose on the station trying to kill us. And Reith is like, in theory, they will be too busy killing each other to bother with us. And Affy says, quote, how do you know they won't join forces and turn against us? Goddamn, common sense really undercuts the Jedi, don't they? Doesn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> she, she looks at them. They don't answer. And, quote, Nobody had an immediate answer for that, which confirmed Affy's worst suspicions. The Jedi were making this up as they went along. Yep. 233 pages into this book, she finally catches on. That it's just space monk wizard improvisational theater all the time. It's, look, when you adventure with a force user, shit's going to go sideways all the fucking time. And yes, yeah. yes, Affy. And uh, everybody say good morning to my neighbor. I was like, is that me? But it's, it can't be because my, <laughs> nope. my room is in the middle of the building. There is no sound that comes in here. He's uh, he's starting up his car nice and early because uh, the world is a frozen tundra out there. And uh, uh, he would like to warm up his car, I'm sure. And I, I wish him all the best. Ain't no fucking way I'm driving on these roads right now. Oh, That's no. I, I've seen pictures. I have multiple people that live in your area, Steph. So I, I've seen their Instagram posts and shit. And I'm like, nope, nope. It's just it's never just a living there. Um, but I think he's got to get his kid to school. So thoughts and prayers, sir. Good luck. Good fucking luck. Oh, out there. man. Anyway, we're just going to let that rumble in the background and move on. OK, yeah. so everybody parts ways. Affy and Leox are going to the vessel. Orla and Reith um, are uh, they're going to be going to set the drain gear free. Orla's like, who? at least Affy and her uncomfortable questions have moved along. Orla thinks to herself, maintaining focus was easier when she didn't think of all the many things that could go wrong. <laughs> many, many things. So many. So many. All right, so they hustle into the Arboretum where all of the Dringer are in stasis, trapped under a bunch of rubble that Orla dropped on them earlier because she's a badass. They start using the Force to sort of try to undo this barrier that they just put up, like, seriously 10 minutes ago. Yep. And this barrier it is fresh, it is strong, it is almost self-aware. Yeah. 
and uh, in its in its power and the force, it is resisting them. I love I love the description. One of my favorite things about the High Republic in general is when they're describing all the mm. different Jedi's approach to the Force and how they see mm-hmm. it, how they feel it, how they experience with it. It has and how the Force reacts to them. Yeah, like the Force is its own character in the High Republic yeah. books. Yeah, and I've noticed. Um, uh, I've noticed. Um, uh, I've been going back and reading some of the old Forgotten Realms books um, mm-hmm. because you know Baldur's Gate three and all that yeah, kind of stuff has yeah. got me. Um, there, uh, there are a few books where they describe uh, spell casting in much the same way. Like there was a, yeah. I forget which one, which book it was, but there was a wizard that was going to cast a spell magic, and it, and on a spell on a different spell, obviously, and it failed. And it was like, it's as if the spell was taunting me, you know, and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So this, yeah. this part kind of made uh, reminded me of that. Um, I think Steph, this is also the part where Reith realizes that Orla's robes are always spotless. Oh yeah, no, he noticed that earlier. Yeah. Like he's he's stumbling through and he's like covered in grass stains yeah. and stuff and and everything and Orla and her white robes perfectly clean. Never mind that she's already been in like four fights. Yep. Well, yeah. she has uh, what what's that cantrip? Prestidigitation. She has prestidigitation, <laughs> which is hard to say. <laughs> so, our two space monk wizards, they they try their hardest. They they roll <laughs> to to dispel the barrier and they both fail. Uh, the barrier stays up. These two Jedi on their own are just not enough. Mm-hmm. So Orla does something that she's been tempted to do this whole time. She picks up a blaster off the floor that one of the Night Hill dropped. <laughs> and Reith is like, uh, what are you going to do with that? And Orla looks at him and goes, ah, desecrate history. My Sorry bad. about that. Yeah. And then she does what Reith has been dreading this whole time. And she just fucking shoots one of the statues right between the eyes. Uh, I have my notes. What Indiana Jones bullshit is this? Exactly. <laughs> Orla is the Jedi Indiana Jones. She is. She is. Oh, except that. cooler. Except that. He, except that he gets dirty. Yeah. <laughs> In all the right ways, he gets all dirty and sweaty. He anyway, does. the barrier is destroyed. There is a force boom, a release of energy. Uh, it's like a wave of electricity, and it's down. And the Drangir are free, and everybody is twitching. With all the electricity that just got released. Orla and Reith recover first, but just barely. <laughs> and they start taking off running, but the Drangir are right behind them. And I love the description of the sound of Drangir running. Mm, mm. Because it's like rustling, but thumping at the same time. Like imagine being chased by a tree. Well, that's what it is. <laughs> exactly. But like, you know, like really heavy footfalls, but it's covered in leaves and shit. It's fucking weird. Anyway, everything in this place is difficult terrain right now because there's like droids and broken stuff <laughs> everywhere. And somebody set off a goddamn thermal detonator earlier. So there's like debris and everything. They're trying, but the Drangir are definitely catching up with them. Right about that time, they turn the corner and hello, the Nihil. <sighs> and Reith thinks for the first time and the last, Reith was relieved to see the Nihil. <laughs> <laughs> So the Nihil respond in the most Nihil way. They see uh, some Jedi running towards them, and then they see a small forest full of teeth running towards them. Mm-hmm. And so they throw a gas canister. See, my response would be to turn around and run. <laughs> They're going to regret this choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So they throw a gas canister. The Jedi hold their breath because they're Jedi. The Drangir, it turns out, don't need to breathe. What? Yeah, they're fine. 
They gas does photosynthesis not require oxygen? Uh, I guess carbon dioxide. Not those. I'm guessing those particular gases don't harm them. Because those gases are formulated for different creatures. And the Drangir are something else entirely. Yep. The defoliator would be very helpful right the now. The defoliator. The defoliator. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so the Drangir apparently uh, assess that the people throwing the gas canisters are a bigger and more fun, frankly, threat than the two people that they're chasing. And they just take off and run past Orla and Wreath and start attacking the Nihil. And Wreath is like, yay, it worked! <laughs> Hooray! Uh, but he does notice that the Nihil see some charging uh, Audrey 2s right at them. <laughs> and they kind of metaphorically piss themselves for a second because they are pirates, not warriors. Right. There's a difference. They're bullies, not fighters. So when they are confronted with something that could actually be a threat to them, they don't actually want to deal with that. But as Reith thinks, quote, all beings will fight for their lives. And I I was like, nope, that's not true at all. I will <laughs> run the fuck out of there. I will throw but friends down. That, I will... that is a fight for your life. Oh, and yeah. If you run out of an, an ability to run, you know you. You'll turn around and start swinging. The Drangir? No. <laughs> at the Drangir? Probably not. Anyway, so the Jedi run off and leave the, the Drangir and the Nihil to chew on each other. And Wreath is thinking, we got to get out of here, but we can't leave the station to the Nihil or the Drangir. We can't do that no matter what. Somebody just picked up a new quest. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> right? Ugh. Add that to the quest list. Okay. Meanwhile, Affy and Leox, uh, they get to the vessel's dock and notice that there's all this debris around from, you know, Affy throwing a thermal detonator earlier. Um, but they comment that the debris got moved around. Right. What do we think that's about? Um, well, I think... Uh... It's a comment. It, see, this part of the book kind of confused me at first. I was right. imagining that maybe stuff got moved around as a way to kind of create like uh, walls and trenches. Yeah, yeah. And maybe Geo did some shit to like move stuff around. But then they sure. start describing the vines coming out of the sides of the walls. So you think maybe the vines moved stuff just yeah. by like shoving through? Because there's these big ass vines everywhere. Right. I think it's just a. I think maybe uh, maybe maybe somebody did set up like a perimeter of some sort, mm-hmm. and then it got moved around with the the vines. Okay, that could be it. Yeah. Um, I accepted. Yes, that's what happened. The vines did it. Uh, so there's these vines, y'all, that have grown out from the station and like all over the airlock and all over uh, the vessel and stuff. And like, it's a problem. So Leox, they, they run inside and they see that the, the vines are actually like all over the windshield. The vessel is locked. Yeah. To the station right now by, by plants <laughs> that are fine in the vacuum of space outside. Yeah. Yeah, it makes total cool. sense. Cool. That's not horrifying in any way. <laughs> so Leox is like, damn it, I told Geode to stick around. Because <laughs> Geode's not there. Where did he go? Uh, Affy's like, well, what do you think he could possibly do about these vines? And Leox says, quote, not a thing. I just wish he were here instead of mixing it up on the station. He never does know when to walk away from a fight. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, Geode's aggressive. <laughs> right. He decided to go pick fights with the Nihil. Um, what I'm imagining is that Geode was it was like setting up barricades with the debris outside the airlock, like just to give them a more defensible position. And then there was some, you know, maybe some Nihil rolled by and Geode was like cracking his rocky knuckles and went and kicked some ass. However, it is that he does that. And that's what moved the debris around, maybe? I think so, maybe. That too? Between that and the vines, shit got moved around. 
I do think that Geode sneaking off the vessel to go onto the station to cause havoc was what Comax saw earlier. I agree. Because I was theorizing that it was either Geode, a rare moment of actually spotting Geode in motion when Comax saw that shadow, or it was uh, a Drangir sneaking onto the ship. But I don't think the Drangir are that, are that sneaky. They don't, mm. they don't have rogues, I don't think. <laughs> That's all Drangir's a race the dev. They can still pick the rogue class, you know. They, they just I have like a minus, do, minus four to dexterity. Have... Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's a lot of... A lot of negatives. There's a lot of negatives. <laughs> on, on intelligence and dexterity, which you need to be a good rogue. Meat. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, uh, so Affy's like, uh, so there's vines all over the ship. How do we get away? And Leox is like, blast our way out or die trying. Yay. I guess. So Comac is on the ship, which I guess they didn't know. Uh, doesn't matter. He overhears that because he just dropped Dez off. He overhears them saying that they need to uh, blast their way out or die trying. He's like, oh, Okay, fine. It is time to go into Jedi Master responsibility mode. And so he takes off onto the station, which is a Jedi, a very Jedi form of responsibility to right. go run pell-mell into danger. Because look, Jedi are bossy. They are. Yep. And they're ridiculous. And they make shit up as they go along. But they also take on the responsibility for the lives of everyone around them. Just as a reflex. 99.9% of them do that. Yes, there are notable exceptions, and they are walking red flags. <laughs> so Comac is like, my job now is to get the vessel crew and all of my fellow Jedi off of the station alive. That's what I'm going to go do. So he goes running off into the station. He runs smack into Orla and Wreath. Good. And he's like, thank the Force. <laughs> thank the Force. We're all look. Their routes through the station are very limited now. There's really only one way to go. So that's a high traffic area for them. They're going to run into each other. Right. There. And uh, he's like, hey, guys, so the vines are a thing. It's bad. We got to go. And so they pivot and they start hustling back to the vessel. And Orla's like, hey, Comac, good news. The Dranger and the Nihil are too busy fighting each other to bother with us. And Comac is like, cool. Dez is in really bad shape, but he's on the ship. So now we just got to figure out the vines problem. And we are out of here. And then right then they both realize, where the fuck is Wreath? God damn it, Jedi. What the fuck? The fuck yeah. is wrong with you people? Hey okay. guys, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go deal with the station real quick. I'll be right back. No, just go ahead and take off. Okay. Yeah. No. No. But here's the thing. This is Reed Silas will now demonstrate for us exactly how one gets a ding on the Anakin Skywalker bullshit counter. Yes. He's got it, but he's Reed Silas, so it's a step by step thing. Okay. <laughs> he's still gonna approach it in a very organized book nerd way. Right. Yeah. So step one: have a plan. Yep. His plan is to launch every single transport pod thingy that is on the station, thus rendering the transport capabilities of the station useless to the bad guys who want to take it over. Okay. Right? Cool. But in order to do that, he needs to proceed to step two, which is sneak away from the Jedi Masters to go and enact said plan. Without telling okay. them. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. That's 2A. That's the next step. Yeah. <laughs> which is do not inform them or ask permission. They will only say no and prevent you from moving on to step three. Step three is dive back into the depths of the space station full of battle-crazed evil plant monsters and panicky, heavily armed Nihil to find the controls to launch all of the transport pods. And let's also not forget the evil droids. <laughs> They're not evil. They just have a very specific job. <laughs> and if you fuck with their job, they will fuck with you back. And I honestly, same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I identify with that. I'm good. I can understand that. Anyway, for Wreath, steps one through three go amazingly well. 
Like, he, there's there's nothing between. He gets to the controls. Right. He gets down in the depths of the station and he gets to the controls. And he uses all of those extra credit research projects that he did on the Amax scenes to figure out the controls and to change the coordinates for all of the transport pods. So yeah. that he launches them out into just like empty, far-flung corners of space. And I believe shortly after this, he he takes a moment to bask in the in the power of research. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he has yeah. a moment to be like nerds are the fucking best. And I'm look, y'all are, nerds. but like research, I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we do for our podcast, honey? <laughs> just all the time, every week. I, I honestly fantasize about who I want to have sex with. I know. <laughs> what do I do? You do the research. The <laughs> <laughs> you're the Reef Silas of the show. There, I said it. Yeah, you're the Elzar man. Oh, I'll take that. I will take yeah. that all the time. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, so Reef has completed steps one through three. It is time for step four get back to the vessel. Okay. Get the fuck out. Exactly. 4A, discover the route back to the vessel is blocked by the fighting Drengir and Nihil. My Oops. God. Oops. 4, 4B, get a call from Leok saying, hey, did you just fire off all those pots? <laughs> <laughs> Was that you? Cool. Look, the vines still have us locked in. We're going to need to brute, brute force this to get out of here, but that's going to take some time and we'll draw attention. So Wreath has step 4C. Realize that the bad guys are distracted for now, but if the vessel full of his friends and fellow Jedi is going to get away from here without being attacked, the bad guys need to stay distracted. So, step five, make a new, even more dangerous plan. What the fuck, Wreath? Yeah, because, quote, Master Jorah's voice echoed in his mind again. Why can no Jedi cross the Kyber Arch alone? And finally, Wreath knew the answer. Wreath had saved, had to save his friends if he could, even at the cost of his own life. Okay, so Heather, yeah. I don't understand the correlation. What? The arch, and then, like... He will explain that later. Right okay. now, this is a revelation that makes sense in Wreath's brain, and Wreath is not explaining it to the reader. Okay, and and uh, I'm just I'm 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 giving you my feedback in real time where we're at right. in the book because I don't know that part later, but I'm like what? exactly just at that moment it's like what the fuck are you talking about? Do you need to hop off the top of the arc of the Kyber Archway and break your neck? Like what the fuck? Like is there a is there a balance beam portion? Is that what step <laughs> six is? What's going on here? <laughs> Do you get points for style? Like what? Okay. <laughs> you gotta stick the landing. Yeah. No, so. We move on to step six, except, oh, wait, no, it's not step six. It's part six of the flashback from 25 years ago. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get through this as quick as we can. I don't, I still don't, even all the way to the end of this book, guys. And I do see, spoiler alert, the relevance of the flashback sort of gets loosely tied back into the main story. Awesome. But I'm still annoyed by it. So here we go. Yeah. The rulers of Iram and Arano are still being held hostage. The monarch of Arano is all like, hey, girl, so after the Jedi rescue us, do you want to, like, open diplomatic relations between our two planets so that we can all get dressed up and do, like, parties and stuff together and stop being assholes to each other? <laughs> and the queen of Iram is like, oh, bless his heart. She thinks, quote, the Jedi were coming and there was no point in not having hope. Yep. So she agrees, and look, look, minor character from 25 years earlier, you just got yourself a ding on the load and Great Storm does not realize he is in a Star War counter. Um, 
Hope is vital in the Star Wars. It is almost always the theme um, that hope is is super relevant and it is the energy that drives every aspect of every plot. That's what keeps our heroes going is hope. But like, <sighs> you say shit like that and you're going to make yourself a, a main character. You're going to buy yourself a main character moment and main characters in the Star Wars don't have happy times. Nope. So good job. You jinxed yourself. Anyway, anyway. But, but she does. She is going to talk about how her and her wife like to bitch about who's going to wear the fancier tiara. And I'm like, it should always be the queen. Why is that even a discussion? But she is the queen. Yeah. But That's, but so is her wife. They're both queens. So they're co-queens. They're like queens. They're like co-rulers. Yeah. <laughs> she is the spouse of the actual main. You know what? You said I the know queen too much about Arano. Arano right now, and I don't want to know. Okay. Oh, uh, you're gonna so know. So the Jedi rescue. Jedi rescue is incoming. They are right, like in the shadows, in a corridor right outside. Master Laird is in the lead. She is waiting for the tactically correct moment to strike, mm-hmm. like you do. Uh, Jedi tactics say that they should go in and protect the hostages first, and take out the kidnapper second. But Orla, baby Padawan Orla. Her instincts are screaming at her to take out the kidnappers first. That's what needs to happen. But she ignores it because she wants to to do the right and proper Jedi thing. Okay. So they run in and they do what the right and proper Jedi thing is to do. But the lead kidnapper is a big ass Lasat. And so he just takes a flying leap over their heads out of lightsaber range. And he goes right for the hostages. And he draws a blaster and he's going to shoot the queen in the fucking head. But then the monarch of Arano dives into the way and gets shot. And he dies in the sobbing queen's arms. No. And Master Larret, you know, they take out all the kidnappers. That's like a footnote in this scene. And Master Laird is like, oh, queen, he died nobly and he will be remembered. What the fuck? She's a a fucking Jedi. That's what they, they're not sensitive about these things at all. We don't, we don't like Master Laird. I, you know, she's, she's a boilerplate Jedi. Yeah, yeah. She's just Um, stereotypical Jedi. uh, I will put in my notes when they described Lissat jumping over. I was like, that's hot. (laughs) Well, that's just because you're hot for Lissat. I am hot for Lissat. Maybe not this particular Lasat. Yeah, you know, I they all can't be Zeb. They can, well, no, there is only one. Mm-hmm. There is only one Zeb. Okay, Orla is kicking herself for not listening to her instincts. She's like, "Why didn't I listen to my instincts?" And it says, "Quote, because that's not what the Jedi Order says to do." Hmm. It would be many years before she fully reckoned with that moment and realized that if the Order was telling her to ignore the Force. It wasn't the force that was wrong. And that's Snap. why Orla's a way seeker now. <laughs> that's why we love Orla. God, I love her. Yeah. Comac is watching the queen weep over the body of this guy that she met like a day ago. And he takes a second. <laughs> he takes a second to realize that the big feeling that he's having is envy. He's jealous that she gets to cry for her loss and he isn't even allowed to acknowledge his. Because remember, his master died. And at that very moment, uh, therapy is offered to Comac and he's able to deal with his emotions Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, not not push them away for for a long time, causing further problems. No, so Conceal Don't Feel is the name of the game. His dead (laughs) master would have told him to bury his grief. And it says, quote, so he buried it as deeply as a mine. One that could wait for years before exploding. Cool. That's healthy. 
In conclusion, we get a little mini denouement on the flashback uh, that wraps it up like the ki- the kidnapper's entire organization then gets dismantled by the authorities, right? And that was what the Huts wanted all along. This entire gambit was just, was just to take out the competition in that sector for the Huts, which oh, is like... Oh, 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 oh. But like, how fucking needlessly complicated was that? Why not just mail them a like a a box of thermal detonators or something so i have to i have to headcanon this a little bit i have to remember myself the huts live for a very long time and anytime and anytime i read about characters that live for a long time like you know vampires for example their plots do get really complicated and convoluted and make no sense except to them i think they're just bored i think they're they're bored i agree i could just i could just blow up the moon that they're stationed on or or we could do we could go all full-on overly complicated machiavelli on this one well space machiavelli also maybe they didn't like the rulers of iram and arano if they accidentally die in the process great and they definitely don't like Jedi. So if any of them accidentally yeah. die in the process. Win, win, win. Exactly. Okay. So chapter 25. Uh, we are back to Reese Silas and his Anakin Skywalker bullshit plan. Oh, my God. Okay. So uh, step six in the new plan. Uh, <laughs> certain six. Step six is uh, certain death. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's a quote. What he was about to do might kill him. But it was the only way to eliminate both the Drangir and the Nihil threats to the vessel at once. Besides, maybe he would make it. Cool. <laughs> cool. What the he fuck? Live. It'll be fine. It'll be Reef? fine. Goddamn. So he finds uh, the bulk of the Nihil and the Drangir, Drangir are all sort of fighting in one area. I think it's the Arboretum. Everything is kind of chaotic right now, even as the reader. Um, and he finds there is an airlock. And the thing about an airlock is uh, the other side of it is the cold, dark vacuum of space. <laughs> so he's like, hey, an airlock next to this area where they're all fighting. And um, he just goes over to it, huffs and puffs, empties his lungs, and fucking pops the airlock. What? But it's okay because step seven, very important step, safety first. <laughs> he, he holds on to a ladder he'll be fine he's fine never mind that once the airlock is open because he eliminated the time delay there's no countdown airlock open all of a sudden all the nihil and the drangir and the plants and the debris and whatever at droids are in the area and the heat and the air all get sucked out into space but wreath is holding on to a ladder he'll be fine He'll be fine. Step 7A, he is not fine. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, Reith clung to the service ladder with all his strength, but it felt as though he were being dragged by his feet, by his elbows, his hair, every part of his body. Space wanted to claim him. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. So that that takes us quite neatly into step eight, regrets. <laughs> He regrets that he had... Are you okay? <laughs> regrets. We have them all. <laughs> well, I, especially I, in this moment. Uh, I know, I know. because uh, uh, we're recording this live, we have people in our chat watching us uh, record this. Uh-huh. Uh, Silver PG says, can we get a new counter for this? This isn't a new <laughs> counter moment. This is a, I have a really bad feeling about this counter moment. <laughs> this is an extended Anakin Skywalker bullshit counter This is moment. all, yeah. yeah. This, this is... is we're we're very familiar with Anakin Skywalker's process of doing his his bullshit. This is Wreath Silas's process of doing an Anakin Skywalker bullshit. Yeah, so it's more complicated. <laughs> it, and it, and you're right; it is more step by step. Anakin yeah. would do all this bullshit at once. 
Right, exactly. And with a good a good deal more style and flair. Yeah. Frankly. Wreath is just getting it done. Yeah. Bless him. Okay. So we're on step eight regrets. All right. Uh, He regrets that he had to kill so many beings. Well, that's good. But like they were trying to kill everyone else. So. So fuck it. Uh, He also regrets that he is definitely about to die. (laughs) And like he's like the ladder is breaking in his hands and pulling. It's very cinematic, right? Because you can just see like wreath is all, you know, feet towards the airlock about to. And he's holding on for dear life to the ladder. And the ladder is like pulling away from the wall under the force of the vacuum of space. And he has time as ice crystals begin to form all over his body because it's cold now. He has time to realize that he's not scared. He's sad, but he's not scared. He doesn't want to die, but he's glad that he was able to buy his friends the time to escape. And he thinks about Master Jorah and how they will be reunited in the Force soon. Buddy, the ladder finally crumples and yanks away from the wall and he goes flying towards the open airlock. This child is going to die in the cold, heartless vacuum of space. But then step nine, miraculously survive. (laughs) It's a very important step and I'm glad he did it. (laughs) So Wreath slams into something just hard. It's a, there's a barrier of some kind that has appeared in between him and the open airlock. The doors are now sliding closed and he takes a deep breath and he looks up at what could have possibly saved him, except it's not a what, Chris, it's a who. It's a geode. (laughs) Geode is there. It says, quote, geode stood above him, reassuringly calm and steady. And Reese could feel that now, a connection to a life form profoundly alien and yet as vividly alive as any he had ever encountered. Reese is rescued by Geode. He actually looks up at Geode and says, my hero. And Geode just accepts this compliment yeah. in silence because he's Geode. <laughs> and Geode saved the day because, of course, he did. So, Steph, what was your reaction when you read this? I was so fucking happy to see Geode. <laughs> I thought Wreath was going to die. I thought this book was going to totally fuck me over. And like, but I, he couldn't, right? Because he's got other books to be in, right? Like, that's my whole thought process that you have to, while you, I'm you, reading you, this. Uh, he has plot armor. <laughs> right. He's a, a young adult novel protagonist. Surely he has plot armor. Surely he won't be killed here. But maybe, maybe, this is my racing thoughts as I'm reading this. Claudia Gray's like, well, I still got Affy. I got one. Yeah. I got one protagonist. I don't need them both. Fucking kill him. This is the High Republic. Somebody's got to die. But no, Geode. Geode's here. Saving the day. What a guy. What a, what a fucking great guy. And this also supports my theory that Geode could survive in the vacuum of space. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with you on that. Because, and this is key, he's a rock. He's a Ventian. He's a Ventian. Yeah. I imagine, now that we accept the personhood of Geode, uh, that he is a bright and vibrantly alive being in the force. Um, Rock is probably a slur and I should stop saying it. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, everyone regroups back at the vessel. Okay. Uh, Wreath, it turns out, with his little fucking Anakin Skywalker bullshit gambit, um, he took out enough of the, uh, the he took out all the drain gear and enough of the Nihil to nullify the threat. So the Nihil are too busy figuring out what the fuck just happened uh, and reckoning how many people they have left to go after them. 
should, once they get like the vines and shit off. Right, right. right. The Maxine station is mostly powerless now. Uh, there's nothing left uh, because with the, the launching of the pods and everything, there's really nothing left to it except for the structure and some whatever plants survived. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so they cut the, the, the vines that were covering the vessel died once the Drangir left. So they've got some kind of uh, plant magic, I guess. Mutant, mutant plant magic. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't think too deeply about that. Are they, yeah. <laughs> let's just not, let's not overthink it. Yeah. Uh, they cut, they cut the dead vines off of the vessel and away they go. On the ride home, uh, Reef and Dez are bunked together. Uh, because Wreath is <laughs> covered in many, many tiny injuries. Yeah, and Dev is still way fucked up. He's, he's oh, he's been... he's not getting better. No, no. I mean, Dez, they they just don't know. Yeah, they don't know what the toxin was that was used on them. Wreath apparently tried a force healing. That's I didn't know he could do that. What um, a Mary Sue! I know. <laughs> I didn't see him train in that at all. At no point has he mentioned that he did research on force healing. I know. So. Anyway, it didn't work. Um, the toxins are a lot. And Dez is clearly in a lot of pain, and he's actually getting worse, and it's awful, and they're very worried. Enter Leox. Oh, my God. And he offers a possible treatment to help relieve Dez's pain. It's spice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. fucking spice. It's medicinal. It, it, it really is, though. It's in, like, big leafy bandage form. And he goes and he spreads it on like these wounds and stuff that Des has. And it Des immediately gets some relief and, and starts improving. And <laughs> Leox just looks over at Orla, who's like side-eyeing Comac right now about the fact that they are in a room with illegal substances. Uh, he just looks at him and goes, I told you it was medicinal. Because <laughs> it is, in fact, medicinal. And I love the idea that Leox actually went and raided their cargo for that. Like, Beingild, Schmeingild, this kid is suffering. It is his personal stash, I think. I think, I think he went, I think his personal stash is recreational. The medicinal stuff was the cargo. Okay, that's fair. That's what I think. Okay. But it's, it, it ultimately, it's irrelevant. Okay. So, Wreath asks Komek and Orla, are we going to be in trouble <laughs> when we get back? Because <laughs> we did uh, defy orders <laughs> and just sort of go rogue <laughs> and leave Coruscant. Even though the council didn't want us to do that. Yeah, and I, and I love Orla, Orla and Comex follow up to this. Comex like, well, you know, we could get rejected from the order, and all this horrible shit could happen to us. And Orla's <laughs> like, Comex, goddamn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Reith is like, hold on, hold on, what? And yeah. uh, because Orla laughing uh, lets him know Comex was joking. Yeah, Comex's jokes are harsh, man. He like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're dark, dude. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. He's such it. a diva. I love him. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're like, yeah, don't, you know what, Reith? Yes. Yes, we're going to be in trouble, but don't worry about it. Yeah. And, quote, Orla was seriously underestimating Reith's deep, long-standing relationship with worry. Yeah. Ding on the Reith Silas personally attacking me personally. <laughs> uh, me and worry are old friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Frenemies, if you will. Tell me about um, that, mom. <laughs> thanks to my thanks to my anxiety, I am always prepared. Um, I am never taken surprise by any kind of uh, of situation because I am always thinking about all of the possible outcomes of everything. Yeah, Steph was the only person I know in Texas who had an earthquake kit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there was a fault line under San Marcos. Okay, <laughs> fuck you. 
Okay. I also have I, I've I've got a lot. I always have a stocked first aid kit. I've got I've got fucking everything. I've got an aloe plant that I've kept alive for fucking ever because aloe is super. You know what? Anxiety, man. It keeps you prepared. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> That's how I'm turning my anxiety, which should be a crippling mental illness, into a superpower. Yay, uh, uh, therapy. That's that's on lemonade. Out of lemons. <laughs> that right there. Anyway, so they get back to Coruscant and we can start wrapping up this story because we are definitely on the downhill slope here, right? Um, Effie is contemplating how they are now safe from the Drangir and they won't have to worry about the Nihil for a good long while. Yay, except anyway, we'll That's talk about that later. adorable. That is adorable, Effie. Mm-hmm. You're so cute. Anyway... She's also pondering the fact that Scover will no longer be able to use the Maxine station to take advantage of her indentured pilots anymore. So that mission accomplished on that front. However, Affy still, for her own peace, needs to know if Scover has any idea that that is wrong. So she sits down to a super fancy posh dinner in their fucking penthouse hotel suite in, on Coruscant. Just lap o luxury with Scover. And this conversation is really uncomfortable. So awkward. Because Affie's not coming out and saying anything directly. But Scover knows what she's talking about. Scover knows where she's been. Yeah. She knows She knows that Affie's been to the Amaxine station. And Scover damn well knows what she's been using the Amaxine station for. So over the course of this dinner, when Affie starts hinting at ideas like how the lives of their pilots might be more important than profit. Yeah, and Scover and Scover's just like fuck them kids. We're making money. We're making money. <laughs> yeah, but she's like, yeah, exactly. She she's like, oh, uh, we all balance risk and reward. You know, if you're gonna, <laughs> you do high, you do high risk stuff for high rewards and stuff. And she she fucking knows. She knows what Affy's hinting at. But she's also like, here, Affy, try this super fancy uh, Chandrillon delicacy dessert. Yeah. You like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, when I'm either gone or retired, you're going to get the all, the entire company. You're going to run uh-huh. everything. Uh-huh. And you love the finer things in life. Look at you sitting here in our luxury suite, eating all of this really expensive food and stuff. You like the fine things. You like what profit gets you. Scover is so, a, Scover is such an asshole. And I love that. She's, she's exactly the kind of monster that would do this. Yeah. But like, it's she's so gray, right? Right. Like she's she's not the Nihil monster. She's not the Drangir monster. Bad guys come in all kinds. Like there's there's a, a spectrum for for what is a bad guy in this galaxy. And so, but Affy has already taken down or been a part of a team that took down some very serious, very clear bad guys. And right, so I right. feel like that lent her the courage to do this because once you've done that. With the drain gear and the Nihil and everything back on the station and you're fucking throwing thermal detonators around and shit. This conversation conversation with so- Scover is scary, but she can do it. But at the at the same time, though, Steph, it also makes you a little bit braver to deal with some shit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Affy understands. She gets, she, she's picking up what Scover's putting down here mm-hmm. in this conversation. That if she will toe the line and play by Scover's rules, she won't lose her inheritance. Yep. So she's she was going to try and blackmail Scover and Scover's getting in a little subtle blackmail right back at her here. Yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah. OK. Later that night, Affie in her luxury suite, once again, is contemplating keeping her mouth shut 
about the indentures and just waiting to take over the guild. And then once she does take over and it's hers, then she could use her newfound power to end the use of indentures. And Scover wouldn't be able to say shit about it because she'd be retired. And if and if Affy were me, that would be the end of that story. I'd be like, okay, good. Let's <laughs> let's do that. In the meantime, I'm going to order another another round of dinner. <laughs> Which is why you are not a protagonist. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are not a hero because Affy's like, that's going to take decades. Yeah. It's going to be like 20, 30 years. And she's doing the mental math on the indentureds who are already in service. And Affy's like, I can wait, but they can't. Oh. Uh. Yeah. So cut to Wreath. He is being called to the carpet before the Jedi Council alongside his friends, Jedi Masters, Orla, and Comac. And it's he has a moment to be like, oh, they're my friends. <laughs> <laughs> they're my friends. I have friends. <laughs> that is <Nerd>. cool. <laughs> <laughs> they get a quick lecture about how going rogue is bad. Okay. Don't do that. But they went rogue to do good things and to help the galaxy and keep the Maxine station out of enemy hands and to save Dez's life. And they almost died in the process. So they get off with a warning. There's just don't just don't don't fucking do it again. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they get. And like, um, that seems unlikely to me. I think that if you don't punish them in any way here, they're going to do it again because there are no consequences. Steph, so. there, it's not like this happens all the time, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not like the Jedi Order is desperately trying to herd superpowered cats at all times oh my God. or anything. Ugh. Anyway, uh, they get dismissed, except the counselor are like, hey, Wreath, stick around for a second. And Wreath is like, why? <laughs> no. Am I still in trouble? Exactly. But the council's like, no, you just never answered us. What do you want to do next? He's do like, you, oh, right, wanna... my training. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you want like a new master? Do you want an assignment? What do you want to do? Well, we're not going to find out yet because chapter 26. Right. And it's a weird place to break the chapter here. Like, why didn't we break for this earlier? I don't know. Like there's a this lot is of where the this is breaks. where the book feels like it's a lot and they're just like stuffing all this resolution in one part of the book. Right. It feels like it feels like the end of the of Lord of the Rings where it's just like another scene and another scene. Yeah. And another scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but all right, fine. So chapter twenty six, Effie. <clears throat> she gathers up all of her courage and all of the evidence that she already has about Scover and the indentureds, and she turns it all over to the Republic authorities. Whoops. She blows the shit out of that whistle, baby. And, um, that's, it is shocking to her how, um, how efficient and clean everything at the Republic is. Like she, she's used to like bureaucratic offices being run out of the back of a cantina, you know? Right. But this is like actual, actual bureaucracy, like take a number, sit down, people sweep the floors here stuff. Like anyway, but she did it. She did it. She ratted on her, on her foster mom. But we're not going to explore that just now. Go to Wreath. Uh, Wreath goes to visit Dez after he gets out of the Jedi Hospital mm-hmm. and uh, is going to invite him to do a fire and vigil funeral type thing for Master Joramali. But Dez is not okay. Ugh. I hate, the Drenger hate this part. The fucked him up. The Drenger fucked him up hard. And look, I know what it's like. When you when you just get, you know, you get uh, discharged from the hospital after a very serious illness and they're like, OK, you're good to go. And you're like, are you sure? Because I feel like shit still. Yeah. Like, are you sure it's OK to let me leave? Because you had to wheel me to the door 
So <laughs> I don't know about that. So Des is in that space, and I feel for him. All the sympathy in the world for him. But it's not just physical. It's spiritual. Yeah. The Drangir fucked him up. And Des tells Reith that he's going to be going to a contemplation planet. Is that what he called it? I forget what it like was. A, he's going to a to Jedi rehab, essentially. Uh, it's a planet that's just for contemplation. And he's going to be taking the the, the Barash vow, Barash mm-hmm. vow, which I had never heard of before. Had you? Uh, I've heard variations of it in Legends uh, books where Jedi have been very, very naughty and they have to basically go, <laughs> they have to go to the, they have to take the black and go to the wall, basically, if I were going to. Oh, nice. There you you know, but, but yeah, no, of course the Jedi Order has something stupid like this. So I had to look it up. So I'm going to yeah. read this real quick. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Barash vow was an oath taken by Jedi who completely refrained from all activities related to the Jedi Order as a form of penitence, disengaging from anything but the Force itself, committing themselves to gaining ultimate communion with it. So um, that's what he's going to do. Uh, it does mention here, and I had never thought of it before. That's what Obi-Wan Kenobi did when he went to Tatooine. He took an informal Barash vow. Uh, yeah, he was feeling a little guilty about, you know, kind of being partially yeah. responsible for Order 66. So, you know. And so he didn't do anything forcing. Yeah. He just sort of. But I think he went. He took it too far because he disconnected himself from the Force, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. when you take this vow, you're supposed to be like, I'm so connecting to the Force. And... Wreath is like, why are you doing? You didn't do anything wrong, right? Because he, why are you he sees it yourself? as like a exactly. But Des explains that the Drangir are profoundly connected to the dark side, so they didn't just break his body; they broke his connection with the Force. They they corrupted his spirit. Exactly. So he's going to take this vow and he's going to go meditate and he's going to go do rehab and try to rebuild and to get his head out of his own obsessed with adventure ass yeah. so that he can go forward and be a better Jedi who doesn't do this. Ugh. Like Des is trying to turn shit around. But, and but Des is alive. Like, so he's alive and he can. Mm-hmm. He, he has the opportunity to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. So listening to all of this, Reith realizes that the best way that he can honor Master Jorah is not a, a vigil and a fire and a funeral. It's to learn the fucking lesson that she was trying to teach him by making him go out to the goddamn frontier in the first place. What's that lesson? We don't know. Cut to Affy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why we couldn't just do Wreath's whole wind down. Affy's whole wind down. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Affy is standing on a dock watching in bafflement as the Republic acts so quickly on her report. So fucking quickly. The wheels of justice turn fast when it comes to indentured slavery. Apparently. Apparently. Scover Bind's already arrested. Yep. So that happened. And the Bind Guild is being dismantled. And apparently part of the process of dismantling the Bind Guild is just handing the ships over to the captain of the ship. Which makes you wonder how often shipping companies get dismantled by the Republic. They have a whole process for this where it's like, right. okay, now you own this own this ship and you own this and own that. And that sounds like something they did just to simplify it because the Republic's like, look, we cannot impound an entire guild's worth of ships. Just And we can't have these captains just hanging out doing nothing. Just give them the ship. Just give them the fucking ship. Yeah. Give them the fucking ship. We don't care. Take any of their contraband. Okay. Do that. But let them take the ship because we don't have parking for all of this. God damn it. So, um, Affie is watching all of this go down and she plans to tell Scover to her face 
that she's the one who turned her in. Wow. Which would be an amazing scene. I would love to see that conversation. What? Right? I would love to. It's not going to happen. For some fucking reason. Every other teeny tiny minute detail scene is happening in this little denouement that we're sitting in here for two chapters, but not that. And I don't know why. Annoying. Yep. Anyway, so uh, Republic officials are currently decommissioning the vessel from the guild and they're trying to hand it over to Captain Leox Giassi. But uh, Leox is like, nope, the real senior officer, because they're supposed to hand the ships over to the senior officer of the ship. The real senior officer here is the guild representative for the ship. And that's Affy Hollow. Oh, so Affy owns the vessel. Yes. And Leox works for her. Yep. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Happy ending. And they get to go forth on many adventures. Where the hell is Geode? Uh, he's out. He's out clubbing. He's well. No, he's actually. Uh, we cut to Orla. <laughs> so, Orla did what you should do if you're going to go shopping for a new car. You take an expert friend with you to have them look over the car to to advise you on the specs and stuff like that. So she's got Geode with her, which is adorable. I think. Anyway, she's buying a ship. Because she has all that Jedi money, apparently. I guess. We don't, you know what? We're not going to look too closely at the funding given to Wayseekers. Maybe she start, she started a galactic GoFundMe. Maybe. It's like we were talking about before. It's like when you join the military, you, you get a paycheck, but you don't need to spend it on anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just sit on it or get tattoos. But that's <laughs> it. If you don't have a family and Orla is not going to... Get tattoos on that body. Oh, no, not on no, this skin. No. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? No. no, no, all clean. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, she's, uh, she's getting herself a ship and she's closing the deal. She's going to call it the Light Seeker. She offers to take on a navigator because Geode is right there. And Geode's, uh, Geode's response is silence. Yeah. Like you do. Um, but she just laughs it off because she knows that his loyalty is to Leox and Affy and the vessel. So it's all good. So, a little while later, everybody's taken off, and uh, Orla is alone in her ship, and she calls Comac, and she's like, oh my god, Bestie, look at my new ship. <laughs> <laughs> and he's happy for her, that she's finally following her instincts, uh, instead of forcing herself to do the right and proper Jedi thing. And she sees that he's not okay, because he's not been okay for, like, this whole book. For, like, 20 years. <laughs> for like 25 years yeah yeah she offers to take him way seeking she's like you sure you don't want to go do some way seeker shit you sure and he's like no no i need the order right now i'm gonna stay they say their goodbyes may the force be with you good for them Aww. fast forward a little bit to wreath he's looking for master comac okay i was so happy this happened <laughs> really yeah like, okay we'll see i'm 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 ambiguous about it. I'm torn yeah, about it. Yeah. We'll get to it. Okay. So he finds Comac meditating in midair like you do. And he like doesn't want to interrupt him. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm going to go. But Comac doesn't even open his eyes. He just goes, what is it, Wreath? <laughs> Which I thought was cute. And Wreath is like, hey, so, okay, no pressure. It's totally okay to say no. But like, I saw that you put in for a ship out to the frontier. And again, no pressure, no hard feelings if you, if you don't want to. And Comac's like, oh, my God, just ask. What is it? And Wreath goes, would you consider taking me on as your apprentice? <laughs> just as fast as possible. Just spits that out. And Comac is like, blink, 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 blink. Okay. 
Are you still there? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. You could interact. That would be fine. <laughs> I'm. Com- I am. I am. I. I. I find your storytelling compelling today, because you're giving me. You're giving me. I've been awake since two a.m. Energy, <laughs> and I'm just like watching. Like, wow, she's 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 on a roll. I'm like vibrating off of my chair. I know, right I can- here. <laughs> So caffeinated. Oh, listeners, if you've noticed that I've been talking super fast this whole episode, that's thanks to the powers of caffeine. Thank God. Deprivation. Yeah, but this part this part was like touching to me because like, you know, typically when you're like, Master oh, can you be my master? The master's like, Yes, I am wise, I am powerful, I am all knowing, I will teach you all the things. That's not what we get with this conversation. Instead, fucking Comac Comac gets honest. He's like, Look, Wreath, uh, I'm a broken ass bitch. Like I am, <laughs> I am does. traumatized. I have had doubts. I am not in a good place. And the right. fact is, uh, you being my Padawan, you're going to be my teacher more so than the other way around. Right. He's so sweet about it. Like mm-hmm. because they've been through so much, they can be this level of honest. Yeah. Right. And so he's he's like, yeah. Brief. I'm gonna be honest with you. I doubt the Jedi Council a lot. And Reith is like record scratch. What? <laughs> Do you mean? Comac tells him again. We're on the honesty train here. I know it's weird. Comac, Comac tells him, "Quote: The darkness is as much a part of the Force as the light. The Order thinks it can bisect the Force so neatly, as though the primal living energy of all existence were a thing to be sliced and served." Wow. I know what a fucking thing to say uh, to the kid who wants to be your Padawan now. And Reith is like, okay, but doesn't it doesn't it keep us safe, separating the light and the dark like that? And Comac goes, does it? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of an Anakin Skywalker red flag. Wow. Just flapping in the breeze. Mm-hmm. He's like, it doesn't make us safer. It just makes the darkness more powerful, doesn't it? And Reith, God bless this kid, does not see the red flags. No. He sees a hypothetical philosophical discussion. With his new master, right? Oh, my God. That's what this is. God, I love him. Anyway, he's like, well, all I know is that the Jedi Order does good things and helps people. And look, Master Jorah, uh, she gave me this whole Kyber Arch riddle thing (laughs) where she asked me to, to figure out, you know, why no one can ever cross the Kyber Arch alone. And he says, quote, no one crosses it alone because the arch itself wouldn't exist without all the Jedi Knights that have gone before. Both the ones who fell in battle and the ones who built the arch for others to remember. Because remember, the arch is made out of kyber crystals. Right. From fallen Jedi. So he says, I was giving the order only as much of me as I wanted to give. It was all about me, not about us. From now on, I'm putting us first. And that's when Comac is like, okay, all right, I'll be your master, but no pressure you're definitely teaching me as much as i'm teaching you okay cool oh my god and i i like this pairing because i think comac badly needs someone like wreath in his life yeah but i don't like this pairing because it should never be the child's job to be therapy for the adult it's not it, it shouldn't be that way but you know what it is that way for a lot of us and now we have that representation in the story yeah inclusion i think wreath has a long road to hoe here Oh, I see what you're saying. I get it. I get it. What kind of hoe did you think I meant? (laughs) Hey. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking the garden metaphor. 
but okay. <laughs> My bad for going agricultural on you. Anyway, uh, so, but we're still not done with this book. Uh, so There's more. Weeks later, we are at the Starlight Beacon. And uh, am I correct in assuming that this is the same big ceremony that we ended Light of the Jedi on? Uh, correct. We're now, we're now okay. intersecting directly with the two books. The stories have aligned. Okay, so everybody who's everybody is there, including uh, Elzar Man getting a little drunk with Avar Chris, and they're going to make out in the in the garden. Mm-hmm. I hope. That's what happens in my head. Yeah, well, also Reith and Comac are there. And hey, who who else is excited to get a speech by the Queen of Iram? Oh my gosh. Oh my god, now, all of a so sudden the flashback is relevant. Is it though? Not really. She gives, <laughs> she gives a speech about how... Uh, you know, 20 years ago, there was a Jedi sacrificed on her behalf, and there was conflict, and blah, 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 and the Republic helped us, blah, blah, blah. And that's why Starlight Beacon is is being parked right outside our system. <laughs> yeah, right next to the icy cave snake-infested moon where all that shit went down that's a quarter good. century ago. That's good. Um, I don't read an ill omen there at all. I, I yeah, no, no ill omen at all. Um, I always like, like it when Starlight Beacon's being featured, so I that was the only thing i cared for about this whole what a great place i'm so glad it's such a lingering symbol in the galaxy all the way up until the current era oh yeah absolutely yeah absolutely nothing bad happens no nothing bad anyway so the speech is over and wreath is like okay master comac what's next and comac's like uh dinner i think yep (laughs) dinner and wreath is like oh good i'm starving because he's a teenage boy of course and they're always starving and god damn it comac actually laughs Comac never laughs. Like, he's not a laughing guy. Wreath is going to be so good for Comac if Comac can just not fall to the dark side first. To be, be continued, dot, dot, dot. Hey. <laughs> but we get another another little note of uh, of optimism here because Wreath is like, cool, then what, then what happens after dinner? And Comac says, quote, anything could happen. And that is the joy of it. Aw, what a sweet way to end this young adult novel. Except. Uh, nothing else could possibly be happening. That's the end of the book. Nothing else could possibly be happening or hinting at anything much, much worse. Meanwhile, in no space. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to half a galaxy away, where Nan the Nihil finds herself kneeling before the throne of Martian Rowe. Uh, who had just uh, speaking uh, tossed a thermal detonator in the face of a t- of a random uh, storm and blew them all up? That's nice. Did he? Yeah, that ha- that that was briefly described at the beginning because Martian, Martian at the beginning of what? Beginning of what? Beginning of this section where uh, it describes Nan was witnessing uh, Martian uh, disposing of somebody that failed him. And he did. He disposed. I don't. I didn't see that at all. That was not in my copy of the book. Yeah, and uh, he did. No. He disposed of them by just tossing a grenade right in between the group and blew them all up. Was that right here at mm-hmm. this in this section? Yep. No, in my copy of the book, it just goes straight to Nan is kneeling before the throne. Yeah. No. It, I, uh, I'm That's wa- crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. <sighs> Martian, you, you, you cad, you. So no, but this is this is the this is the part that I had to start deleting shit out of my notes because. Martian Rowe on a throne. Look, something about Star Wars and putting its morally gray all the way to evil characters on thrones and the way they sit on thrones and the way I wouldn't mind kneeling at the foot of that throne. That's where I had to start deleting shit because Nan is a a teenager. That's not anything that's happening here. 
Um, uh, the audiobook uh, uh, version of Martian Rowe in this book is not my favorite, but it was fine. Anyway. Uh, Does he sound like Crispin Glover? He doesn't quite sound exactly like this, but he's still kind of creepy a little bit. Uh, but nonetheless, Martian, uh, Martian is impressed with Nan's skills of her being a spy, and uh, he sees use in her, and she says basically that you know, she was afraid of the Jedi. They have all these crazy magic powers and do crazy shit mm-hmm. and just generally make bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and and Martian's like, oh, you were right to uh, not trust them and to fear them. Uh, but don't worry. They will all suffer. And end of the book. So the actual quote <laughs> from the end of the book is not that. Uh, he says, you are wise to fear the Jedi and the Republic, but they should fear us in return, for the Nihil will be the destruction of the Jedi. Yeah. Oh, Martian. <laughs> I'm pissed I didn't get that whole scene. Why the fuck wasn't that in my book? It's very briefly at the beginning of the audiobook. So. It's, it's literally not there. I'll send you a screenshot. Okay, I'll have, to, I'll have to fi- see a way if I can clip that for you. Okay, so... It's so Steph, right. end of the book. What do you what do you think? What do you think? I think uh, Leox survived is what I fucking. Think. I know. I was gonna say you, one of your oh, the one prediction was wrong of all your predictions. I I totally overestimated the young adult side of the High Republic's uh, willingness to murder people, at least in this book. Yeah, one of our patrons, Silver PG, says in our chat, "Final thoughts: I love Geode, and that is my." Right. That is my final thought on this book. Geode is fucking great. I, I'm here to fully support Geode. Love that Geode. Um, I'm not where you are with Geode. Like, I don't want to climb him, but uh, I'd love to get a beer with him. Um, I didn't want to climb him until I read Fallen Stars. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's where that next step in my evolution happened. Yeah, I just I feel like this was a good book for introducing the concept of, um, of aliens who are truly aliens. Yeah. Like not vaguely humanoid in any way. You know, you've got you've got evil plants and you've got um fantastic best friend rocks yeah. and stuff and they are also sentient and people and remarkably skilled and uh and clutch in saving you from your own self and the airlock. So. <laughs> okay, Steph, are you ready for my outro? <clears throat> uh yes, I would love your outro. Go. For light and life. We leave the High Republic era with everything resolved. Loading Great Storm is rescued and retires with Orla and Naboo, becoming professional sandcastle architects. El- uh-huh. <laughs> Elzar, Ava, and Stellan get Polly married. The vessel crew becomes the greatest smugglers in the galaxy. The Nihil uh-huh. dissolve with Lorna D becoming a crime lord and Martian Road taking up massage. The Jedi Order <laughs> thrives and the galaxy is at peace with freedom reigning. Meanwhile, in the Imperial era, Imperial era, the galaxy is under control with, of the fascist galactic empire. The Jedi Order is destroyed and the Sith reign supreme. Freedom is a distant memory and all hope is fading. Who can help people in the galaxy and bring down the empire? We'll find out. Carabast. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Um, well done. So, uh, y'all, thank you. So, uh, I know we have a lot of new listeners that have been listening to our High Republic coverage. Thank you so much for joining this mm-hmm. crazy crazy circus of ours as we are going to return to our rebels coverage i'm personally very excited about that but i don't want to stop talking about the high republic so steph what i was going to propose and Mm -hmm. and put you put the spotlight on you right now in front of our uh listeners and patrons um i was thinking we could do an unleash episode like once a month on high republic content and kind of not go blow blow by blow because that shit would be like a that would be a six hour 
recording session, uh, but right. kind of something more high level. Um, and I was going to suggest for our next foray into the High Republic. I know we've only been doing books so far, uh, but there's a comic book series, um, not all, not the entire comic book series, but only a couple issues that take place between uh, the two books we covered and the next big book, which is Rising Storm. And so I wanted to propose that and see get your thoughts on that. I don't know what any of that content is, so sure. I, th- I think it's like four comic book issues. Okay, you want to talk about all four comics in one? Yeah, thing? yeah. Because they're really uh, one one piece of feedback I do have about the comics is that it's very cinematic, not not as dialogue heavy. Uh, okay, um, and I feel like we could we 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 could cover an arc, uh, a story arc essentially. Because mm-hmm. uh, basically, in this uh, small spoiler, we're going to be talking about how Avar Chris is a fucking badass, and <laughs> and I love her. Okay. Yeah, I'm down with that. Sure. Okay, cool. So that's what we'll be doing next, y'all. Yes, we're going to get to Rising Storm eventually. Yes, we're going to get the Fallen Star eventually. That's all happening, y'all. I will, that sounds so hopeful. I, I, I'm sure that's going to be great. Uh, Steph has destroyed my spirit with uh, our Agent Carter coverage on Marvelous Divas, <laughs> and I aim to repay her in kind. Hooray. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we can start looking at... at Maybe starting to do that next month. Yeah, so. next month. Yeah. Because this month is fucking This month nuts. is fucking nuts. Anyway, that's it for me. Okay, so then we are going to take a break. We're going to take a week off uh, in between, you know, finishing Into the Dark and getting back into Rebels. But when we do get back into Rebels, uh, we will, if my records are correct, which I've blown the dust off of this fucking spreadsheet because I haven't looked at it. Oh, yet. my it looks God. Like, oh, oh, six months or so. Yeah. Um, we will be getting back into Star Wars Rebels with Season 1, Episode 13, Call to Action. Oh, my God. I think that's where. We'll, we'll, we'll double check. Oh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Anyway, because uh, it didn't occur to me that I should check that until just now. Um, <laughs> but uh, do we have anything else for today? Nope. Cool. All right. Uh, so then I guess we should outro. Yeah. Ready? Okay. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for going on this High Republic journey with us. It has been very fucking cool. Uh, it has definitely deepened my love for the Star Wars. So um, if you enjoyed the music at the top of the episode, you should. It's a bop. Uh, that was a gift to the show from one of our listeners, a recording artist by the name of Chorl Z. Uh, his single, Rosalie, is out now. You can find links to all of that in his social media profiles as at C-H-O-R-L-S-Y. If you would like to hang out with us in between episodes you totally can we are on all the social media we're on facebook instagram tiktok and the artist formerly known as twitter as at dark side divas i was thinking about doing this in my martian voice but i'm not going to do that uh if you haven't done so already <laughs> if you haven't done so already please subscribe to our podcast please tell your friends about us please leave a review we like all those things we're going to be really trying to focus on growing our audience this week and we could use your help please for the <laughs> love of god um, oh my god don't beg never beg oh i beg i beg oh it's, it's, my god but he begs i don't beg yeah no stuff's not begging i'm shameless uh also we have a swag store redbubble.com forward slash official divas where we have t-shirts mugs stickers etc of our logos and the funny shit that we say uh Mm -hmm. uh, we also have a youtube channel if you do a search for dark side divas subscribe there you will be notified of when we do our unleashed episodes and more importantly maybe our Baldur's Gate playthroughs, which are fucking fun and hilarious. Uh, <laughs> last but certainly not least, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Divas Podcast. We do live record these with people actually watching us. They're watching us uh, right now. And I'm not awkward at all. Uh, but for no, five bucks a month, weird. 
Five bucks a month, you get unedited uh, unedited versions of our shows. We do do special content and events from time to time, and access to the greatest Discord community in all the galaxy. It's true. They're fucking great. Okay, is that it? That's it, y'all. All right, then we say goodbye right. now. Bye. Bye. We love you.